Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Your Pittsburgh Pirates prospect podcast of choice here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm just rolling through this this morning. Good morning, Gary. How are you doing? Alex, this is great. This is the first time that we've had um, a podcast recorded in my new office, my new house. Um, This is like the third different background that we've had on our Zoom. I know you guys can't see that at home, but I promise you it's the third, at least the third different background. But it's great. Um, I can see the WTHA studios from my office. Uh, life's not too bad for me, Alex. What What are those studios for us Western Pennsylvania? WTHA is WTHA is the CBS affiliate uh, here in Altoona. So this is what that right there is. They have Sports Beat on the high school on the high school front. I see them every Friday night, every Saturday morning or afternoon at Penn State. And I occasionally see them at the Altoona Curve, which this week got hit by the nastiest of bugs, the injury bug. Yep. Yep. But it not only it, – it's more who who got hurt. Like neither one is particularly long-term serious. Like whenever we heard O'Neill Cruz and, and Ronzi Contreras were coming in for forearm injuries, it was, it was like, oh, okay, that's not good. And yes, they do have forearm strains. They're both on the injured list, but it's not very severe. They caught it early. Cruz is going to be shut down for a little bit. He'll start throwing again in two to three weeks. Contreras, he's going to start throwing again in two to four weeks. So that's, in the grand scheme of things, that's not too bad. But whenever you look at that calendar, the best case scenario for them is they're throwing again towards the end of July which basically means you play in August. Okay, the month the season only has one month at that point remaining. What? Where do you go from here with these two guys? Because Ben Sherrington has talked about how they're going to do midseason evaluations soon. And there could be some promotions going on through the minor leagues at that time. These injuries could potentially keep these guys in Altoona a little bit longer. Maybe they'll get up to Indianapolis for a cup of coffee, but, you know, that bullish, you know, there'll be September call-ups, get a look there since they're on the 40-man roster, kind of seems less and less likely right now. No, you're right. And we've talked about this at length on these podcasts, um, especially recently, about how good both of those players were doing. Contreras, I could have saw easily getting a September call-up to the majors. We've talked about Cruz at length getting to AAA at the very least. Now this timeline just kind of sets them back just a little bit here. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I, I mean, when you talk about forearm anything with the pitcher, my mind immediately went to the worst. Um, yeah, and- yeah they, got off, they got off easy here. Let's yeah. get that clear. And so obviously with the fact that they're going to be okay, or it seems to be okay, I think that's, that's great for the Pirates organization and for the two players as well. 
but what I'm what I'm interested to see is what caused this, because obviously the last few weeks we've had you know the pine tar and the the, the spider tag stuff. I don't necessarily think that it's a lot of grip strength and grip stuff uh, to deal with Contreras, but these guys when they were in Hartford last week played in a lot of rain and a lot of different weather, and I think that ultimately had a big factor. Obviously, I'm just speaking um, from what I've seen, but I'm not 100% certain. But I would imagine that playing in the wet and playing in the grass that and, and dealing with the wet ball and that sort of thing, when coupled with not being able to grip it the way that maybe you wouldn't be able to um, prior to that, you know, I think that could be a recipe for disaster and, and look at where it got them. Yeah, I, I don't know if grip or anything had anything to do with it. I mean, it's it's a forearm strain. I mean, you, you throw baseballs, it's it's going to, especially whenever you throw it like, like Contreras, who has, you know, mid, solid mid-90s stuff. And it's, and it's a jump in velocity from the whole season. He did it before the last time. That's extra wear and tear in the body. I mean, it, it is what it is. It is what it is. A couple weeks off from throwing is not that bad. In the grand scheme of things, whatever Ben Charrington casually said on his radio show Sunday that they were being checked in for forearm injuries, and everyone in Pittsburgh is like, what do you mean? You can't just casually drop this on us. Altoona's on fire right now. It's, it's not that bad. Of a deal what i think it's this is more no neil cruz thing because Contreras was just added to the 40-man roster this year he has two option years remaining if he doesn't get up to the major leagues this year it's not that big a deal cruz this is his second option year he has one remaining and he hasn't played in triple a yet so while we could bang the drum saying that he should be on the opening day roster next year it's kind of hard to say that whenever the guy hasn't played in AAA. This is basically setting the Pirates up with O'Neill Cruz of he's going to come up to the major leagues and then he's here. There is no security net like what they have with Mitch Keller right now where they can option him down to the minors and have him try to figure something out. If something doesn't go well for O'Neill Cruz, it just doesn't go well. In some ways, he's going to be like a permanent Rule 5 player. Yeah, and it's a, it's a slippery slope to deal with that, too, because, I mean, we haven't seen much of him in double-A either, right? I mean, we saw him in 2019 briefly. We Obviously, he spent last year at the alt site. Now, this year, he's at um, – he's, you know, obviously getting the time that he, he warrants and deserves uh, for the curve. So, I mean, that's, that's huge, too. But, you know, for a guy like O'Neill Cruz that's – you know, he's only gotten 173 at bats this year in in Double A, and and overall, you know, you want to look at I think a, a a good benchmark would have been that hundred or that 500 uh, at bat plateau um, in Double A, and he still hasn't gotten to that yet. He's just shy of what it looks like 300 at bats at the double-A level, and that's something to plate appearances. It gets it over 300. Yeah, right. But that's that's the situation that we're kind of dealing with because I think that's what that was a good benchmark for him is to get to that 500 plateau and then see what he can do because listen the way that he was playing this year he did warrant a, a trip to AAA however he's still fairly young yeah and I mean I guess that's the thing of it he's going to be young and he's going to have basically no options left that, that's a much bigger deal I think for me. But you can't pretend that this isn't going to be a, turn, a deterrent for the Pirates. I mean, him 
making the 40-man roster last year and then missing it. That, that was bad. It's one thing that Jared Oliver has one option year remaining because Jared Oliver got a little taste in the majors in 2020. He got a, he's up here right now getting another taste in 2021. There's going to be at least something to go off of right here. I, my, my concern is will O'Neill Cruz basically be a, a rule five guy. It, yeah. it, 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 not like a true rule five, but in the, he's in the major leagues and he can't go back down to the minors or you lose him. No, I think that's a, a good way to look at it. I, I mean, it, it's it's tough because, you know, that last losing last year, if there is a player that really impacted the most in, in development, despite being at the outside, I think it is O'Neill Cruz, um, because if he if he continues that transition, it's let's say twenty twenty is a normal year. Let's say what we're going through with twenty twenty is a is a normal year, and this is happens this year. What has happened this year has happened last year. Let's just say that hypothetically. Well, now this year. He's already in AAA. He's already gotten that, that time. And now we're talking, okay, it just changes the timeline. And, and you're right. I mean, uh, the way that this organization has been and the way that Charrington and, and that regime has been as far as development and just being deliberate and not rushing guys through the system, they might be forced to rush O'Neill Cruz, whether he's ready or not. And I don't know that that's a situation that they're entirely comfortable with, but we're going to find out sooner rather than later, depending on how he recovers from this injury. I think they've lost that luxury of whether or not they're ready for it by, by keeping him in double A. I, I, I mean, we can Monday morning quarterback this, but I think if he was in triple A right now, it would be one thing. Right. It would be uh, because if he was in triple A and he had, let's just say 100, I know 100 played appearances isn't a whole lot, but let's just use that nice round number in there. If he does that and he looks good in spring training, you should just bring him up to start the year in the major leagues and, and be like, look, you, you know, potentially losing one extra year of, of team control would, would stink, but you're doing right by the player. It looks good for the organization. Let's be honest with that, that they're not, you know, nickel and diamond service time there. And you still have that option in your back pocket. If it's like, okay, he's not ready because send it down to the minor leagues. That decision's got to be made for them more or less, unless something unexpected happens. And, you know, he gets to like a, a quick cup of coffee to AAA, then he earns a spot next year. And let's be honest, Jared, let's be honest, Jared, whether it's shortstop, whether it's outfield, there is a spot for O'Neill Cruz on this major league roster right, right now today. And there will be next year also. No, I completely agree with that. We talked about that at length, but it's, yeah, you know, that's the big thing is, is what are they going to do? And, and obviously this kind of forces their hand, but the difference with O'Neill Cruz in a forearm strain, you know, as long as he can swing a bat and, and swing a bat with confidence and, and, and not risk his health anymore, there's a very good chance that he could get some DH time in, in double A. So maybe not necessarily get him into the field right away and kind of nurse that arm back as he kind of rebuilds that strength from being shut down. But, you know, if he gets up to speed, at the plate, there's a very good chance he can see his set himself back on the field um, sooner rather than later, as far as that is concerned, albeit in a totally different capacity, just hitting rather than playing the field and doing both. I don't know if that is going to be a possibility. Um, I don't know if it's like shut down, shut down for two to three weeks or just no throw for two to three weeks. If he can swing the bat, honestly, at this point, I would just let him DH, you know, in Altoona, in Indianapolis, let him get some outfield work, you know, 
very basic. Maybe he gets a couple reps at the end of the year, but I think that would be fine, you know, in general. Yeah, if he can if he can get some at bats still, I think it's I think he's in good shape. But obviously, this is just pure speculation. Now, they, it's very possible it might just be a shutdown, complete shutdown, and then start rebuilding once his arms finally healed. So, I mean, obviously, we don't make those decisions on this podcast. If we did, we'd make a lot more money than what we do now. Hmm. Um, but you know, there's a guy that has kind of taken that power um, that O'Neill Cruz has ch- kind of channeled and, and really taken against the roller coaster in right field um, and really taking it started to take it out personally uh, in Mason Martin, who we're going to catch up with here in the second segment. Um, when I got that, I got the chance to sit down and talk to him um, prior to the game on Thursday. So we'll get to talk to Mason Martin in the second segment and we'll catch you right after this break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to this segment of the Young Bucks Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Today, my guest is Mason Martin of the Altoona Curve, first baseman prospect. Now, Mason, you've been hitting the coaster quite a bit in Altoona. Um, first of all, do you have anything against the coaster? Like, what's going into that? <laughs> I don't have anything against it. It's just in the way. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a good problem to have. Now, have you apologized for the torture that you're putting on it with those balls that you've been blasting out of the left-handed batter's box? No apologies. I'm not. I'm not a big uh, roller coaster rider myself, but uh, I mean, it, it is what it is. Now, when you're hot, you're hot. So, what's going into your approach uh, at the plate? What's what's kind of your mentality when you get up there? Uh, I mean, I, I pretty much just try to keep it simple. Uh, you know, see the ball up, swing at the good ones, take the bad ones. You know, just get a good pitch to hit. I think that's the most important thing, especially for me. You know. Uh, guy by the name of Ted Williams kind of taught me that. I, I've read his book a lot, and that's the number one thing he'll he'll always talk about is get a good pitch to hit. You got the best swing in the world, but if you're swinging at bad pitches, you probably aren't going to end up hitting. And you're probably not going to hit them the way you want to. So, so it all starts with getting a good pitch to hit, and then I just try to stay as short as I can to the ball. So just have a short swing, um, you know, slow and early low, just. Make sure I'm under control, and uh, you know, I, I sometimes have a tendency to get too big and really try to, you know, hit balls as far as I can. But I think that uh, that kind of gets me into trouble sometimes. You know, just trying to get too big. I just try to stay short, hit the ball hard, hit it hard in the air, and uh, you know, as long as I hit it hard, that's a win. You know. Now, when you talk about you know, you try to hit when you're trying to match the ball. Like, how do you control that? How do you? you know, I mean, it's hard when you're seeing. Like, meaty fastball and, and you want to just pound it as far as you go or how, as far as you can what goes into your head and what and how do you kind of keep yourself to stay short what do you teach yourself in your mind to do that yeah I mean it's it's started since I was a really young kid I 
I've always had that problem. I just, I just like to get too big sometimes and, and really try to crush the ball. But you know, my even when I was you know eight, nine, ten years old playing little league, my dad would say, "Hey, next at bat, go up there, just take a short swing and just try to hit the ball hard." And usually it ends up working a lot better that way. So I just try to remind myself of that. I know, I know when I get too big, I start getting. You know, I, I don't hit the ball the way I want to. I pop it up, I roll it over, I flare the ball, and you know, at the end of the day, it's just about hard contact. And if I hit the ball hard, it's gonna more the, more often than not fall in, in the outfield or, or go over the fence or wherever. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, if I just hit the ball hard, I win. You know, that's a win. Now you mentioned Ted. Ted Williams, what have you been, and you mentioned reading his books, what have you been able to pull from that that's helped your game and, and helped you evolve as a player? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's the approach. Uh, his approach to hitting, knowing uh, he knew his strengths really well and he knew his weaknesses really well, and uh, he, he tried to, you know, develop his approach into what he was good at. And, um, you know, he talks a lot about, you know, discovering yourself as a hitter and, and doing what works for you and, uh, I mean, there's just so many good nuggets in that book. It's called The Science of Hitting. So many good nuggets of, um, you know, how to pick the right bat, how to hold the bat, where to stand in the box, like just simple stuff that often gets overlooked that is actually extremely important and can give you a huge advantage. And I've actually kind of gone back to that book this season a little bit and just kind of gone over some stuff again and just kind of, you know, see what I can pull. And I, I don't like to change I don't, I'm not going to change everything I'm doing but see if I can pull one little thing from you know this chapter and one little thing from that chapter and you know just find a way to just keep getting better little by little hitting is something that I feel is, is very overcomplicated in a lot of a lot of different realms I mean you talked about your approach since Little League you talked about just some of the simple things that Ted Williams has taught how is hitting both simple and complicated well the thing about hitting is there's infinite ways to hit the baseball. Uh, you know, you got contact hitters, you got power hitters, you got kind of in the middle hybrid type guys, you got short guys, tall guys, skinny guys, bigger guys. Like, there's guys, I mean, there's just a million ways to hit the baseball. Everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses. I'm not going to go out there and try to hit like O'Neill Cruz because I'm not six, six foot seven with super long arms. Like, me and him both have different approaches to hitting, but at the end of the day, we both just try to do damage, you know? And I just think at the end of the day, there's there's so many ways that you can do it that you have to really find what works for you and you have to develop your own approach and, and take ownership of your career because at the end of the day, nobody has ever been in your shoes and has ever been up, the, up, up at the plate for you. So I think it's it's just over the years I've just tried to learn a lot about myself and try to figure out my strengths and weaknesses and and build my approach, build my swing based off of that. You know, uh, that's why it's it's really it's the hardest thing to do in sports because you can talk to a million different big leaguers. There there hasn't been a million, so that's an exaggeration. You can talk to every big leaguer that's ever played the game. You'll probably end up getting a lot of different views on how they hit the ball. Some guys say swing down, some guys say swing up, some guys say swing flat, some guys say you need to keep your hands inside the baseball, some guys say you need to keep your barrel above your hands, you know, like, 
there's just there's infinite ways to hit the ball, and I think at the end of the day, it's just about finding what works best for you, you know. And how did you find what worked best for you? A lot of trial and error, <laughs> a lot of failure, and I think the thing about baseball is it's like you fail so much that you have so many opportunities to learn because obviously everybody knows the best hitters in the world get hit three three times out of ten the elite of the elite of the elite four times out of ten maybe so it's like there's so much more failure to learn from than success to learn from it's like you just have to trial and error trial and error trial and error you know and and that's why I've, I've really tried to take the mentality of not worrying about my last at-bats, just seeing what I can learn from those and then taking to the next at-bat because at the end of the day, that's the only at-bat that matters is the next one. So just continuous trial and error and, and, and just trying to, you know, go back over the video, go back over the at-bats and try to learn and see, you know, what went wrong in that at-bat? Why did I roll that ball over? Why did I miss that one fast fastball? Why did I, you know, and, and, and eventually you just, you, you get your answer. Now, are there any other hitters that you kind of follow? You mentioned Ted Williams before, uh, like we talked about, but are there any other professional hitters that you've either spoken with or read about that you've kind of been able to pull things from from their game to help yours? Yeah, I I talked to Travis Hafner on the phone a while ago, last summer actually, and he gave me a lot of good tips and a lot of he, – he gave me a lot of uh, – like lessons that he learned from his experiences in the big leagues and that was a really beneficial conversation for me because I grew when I was growing up that guy was in you know probably the prime of his career I'm not sure exactly what age he was when I was a young kid but I remember watching him and you know obviously I liked his swing a lot he was a power hitter big guy uh, had a short swing too for how big he was and so I, I pulled a lot from that conversation um trying to think about guys growing up I funny funny enough I actually watched a lot of Ichiro growing up just because when I was growing up Ichiro was playing for the Mariners and you know you turn on root sports every single day and there's a Mariners game so I did watch a lot of Ichiro I, I don't necessarily try to model my game after him but he was a, he was a really fun player to watch I liked a lot of the older players I, I, I used to be a really big baseball historian uh, so I, I like to see if I could find videos of Mickey Mantle and Babe Ruth and I mean Ted Williams obviously and there's some other guys in there too Stan Usual like guys that were just amazing you know generational talents that ended up going on obviously having great careers uh, but I used to love just digging into like who were the greatest players back in the day and seeing, just seeing what I could pull from them, see, see if I could watch them and try to incorporate something that they did in my game. What do you need to do to get back to, or to get to AAA, to be coached by Nunnally again? Because right now, obviously, you're in AA. And, and the first base position in the Pirates organization is something that is fodder for, for almost everybody based on what they're doing at the major league level. How do you get to AAA? What, what do you need to do in your game to improve to get to the next level? I think I just got to keep taking it day by day. You know, just control the controllables, show up every day ready to go to work, keep working on my defense every single day, keep working on my offense every single day in all aspects of the game. But just con- continue to grow and, and, you know, just continue to get better. And uh, at the end of the day, 
you know, control control what I can control. Obviously, I don't I don't pull the trigger on anything. All I all I worry about is crushing baseballs and, and playing good defense and playing for the team, helping them win. So we'll see what happens, but I'm ready for any opportunity. Thanks again to Mason Martin for joining us on the Young Bucks podcast. Uh, we will catch you right after the break for the third and final segment. here on Young Bucks. Jared, you've been carrying this one this week, man. Appreciate it. Draft week, it's been kind of hectic. Or pre-draft week, oh my goodness, I still got draft week to go through. And that's why I'm the minor leagues guy. Yeah, we're going we're to have a lot of draft stuff on next week's podcast, don't worry. But, uh, actually, okay, put you on the spot one more time. Who, who are the Pirates taking first overall? Let's just both be wrong with this, like we're wrong on everything else. <laughs> Um, speak for yourself, Alex. Um, oh, we, okay. We were right. And uh, listen, this is a perfect opportunity to talk about being right. We did say on this podcast that Castro would be the next man up if things worked out in Pittsburgh. And yep. lo and behold, um, boom, well, he found himself winning the game. Yeah. Earlier this week. Uh, I still think that the Pirates take Lawler. I, I like Lawler. I just like the skill set. I like the development aspect of him. But I, again, we're not paid to make those decisions. Comes from Josh Bell's alma mater. If you didn't read Insider yesterday, I, I think I, I his swing is a little bit more finished than um, than Josh Bell's ever will be. That that is a bold sentence right there. I I, I still think Mayer is the guy. I still think Mary is the best player available, and that's who they take. Okay, so what do we wager? So here's so this is um, <laughs> okay. Okay, we're gonna wager here. This is gonna be a this is gonna be a betting podcast segment for a minute. So what do I get if Lawler wins? What do you get if your guy wins? And we obviously are we push if neither of those guys gets drafted. By the yeah, points. whenever whenever Henry Davis gets drafted, we go all right. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, I guess I should give the the wiggle room of we're of we're recording this Thursday afternoon, just by some miracle something leaks out there. Um, how about this? Whoever wins, whoever wins, gets to do a karaoke song, or gets the other person to do a karaoke song of the winner's choice while we go through the outro of subscribe and all that good stuff. Deal. Plus, right. let's add to that because obviously the physical embarrassment and emotional embarrassment isn't enough. And when I'm in Pittsburgh, if if my guy wins, you buy me Chicky and Pete's. When you're in Altoona, I buy you a Kerr Burger. That that's an old that's an that's a retro bet right there. I, I like it. I like it. Perfect. You guys, you guys are gonna have to be the ones to keep us honest here. Thank you so much for listening to Young Bucks. If you haven't already. Subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you can find five podcasts. I'll be sure to tune in Sunday for Jared's We Are podcast, all about Penn State. And I have the podcast to be named later, which is going to drop on Wednesday or drops on Thursday. So we'll have immediate reaction after the Pirates' first three rounds of the draft, or actually all 20 rounds, all three days. It's good. 
It's going to be hectic that day. It should be a good, it should be good fake radio. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again. Mm-hmm.